Episode one of the Water Border podcast. Sean and Liam. I'm joined here with Raz, Daniel, and Chase, all former Eckerd students. Former. Daniel is a current Eckerd student, actually. Soon to be former Eckerd student. Dropped out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Daniel is on the sailing team currently. Raz was on the sailing team. What was that? Two years ago now. Yes. Two years ago. Dang. So, what have you been doing this time off, Raz? <laughs> uh, I have been doing. So once I once I graduated, um, I went into the Peace Corps and got evacuated from Peace Corps, and then have been working for a working for a guy caretaking sailboats and uh, bumming around in my car. But in the, I don't know what you want me to talk about. Here. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, but so why why'd you get evacuated? Coronavirus? Like how is coronavirus in Madagascar? Just totally shut everything down? Or? So it was a pretty interesting process. Um, so let's see here. When I was in Madagascar, all of a sudden we heard about this thing called coronavirus China virus and it was and it was in China and it China wasn't virus. and it wasn't really going on anywhere and uh you know people were saying that it was pretty mild and it was like the flu and it wasn't a big deal and here I was in like <clears throat> this isolated town in the middle of nowhere on an island nation and I felt as about safe from the coronavirus as I possibly yeah, could. Yeah, been anywhere, right? Because, like, the country didn't have it. Like, all you have to do is shut down the airports, mm-hmm. and the country will never have it. It's an island. I'm on a, in a tiny town within that island, and I'm also a young person who's probably not going to die from it. I thought that this was not going to be that serious at all. And then two days later, they said that the airport in South Africa, which is... Like one of two routes that we can take home mm-hmm. uh, was fully shut down. So the whole, uh, that, like the fact that South Africa shut down, we were like, okay, this might be serious because like our main evacuation medical centers there and like the main route homes through there. Um, and so then it's probably like, oh, whatever. Like yeah. <laughs> it's probably not yeah. a big deal. Um, I don't. I wasn't feeling like I was gonna need a serious Western medical center. Mm-hmm. Um, Dude, we were stateside thinking the same shit though. Like, oh, it's gonna be fine. Whatever. Yeah. Here we are, a year so, later, still dealing with the yeah. effects of coronavirus. And so, so basically, we get an email saying that we need to evacuate, but like to sit in place because it's like there's still one more route that we can take through Ethiopia that will get us home. Um, and then all of a sudden found out that they were shutting down the airport in Madagascar and we had to get to the capital in Tana or Antananarivo, which is the capital there as fast as we humanly could. And it's a two day ride in a bus typically from mm. where I was to the capital and so it was just this absolute free-for-all mad dash of, like, I don't know, shaking hands and saying goodbye mm-hmm. to, like, really, really good friends. Yeah. Like, bye, have no idea when I'll see you again. Mm-hmm. 
saying goodbye to all of my students, saying goodbye to the people who lived in my school, or like the, sorry, my coworkers at school, and uh, then just sprinting as fast as I could away, which sucked, and just left most of my possessions yeah. in this house, thinking that I'd be back in a month or so, because I had no idea what the circumstance was. What, how'd the locals feel about all this stuff that was going down? They were like super disappointed, you know, they, you know, I don't know, we'd, we'd grown some good relationships and, and they were just shocked because it, I mean, COVID like it was to me, wasn't a big deal to them. Um, and, and I had to explain to them that I was getting evacuated from their country, which didn't have any cases to the U S which at that point had cases. Mm -hmm. And then like going through three inter going through three international airports yeah. on the way to get there too, and it was it was just sort of a ridiculous circumstance. Seems of, ridiculous. Of like I'm way more safe to stay here than go. And in hindsight, I mean, it was probably the right call, but um, yeah, it was it was just bananas leaving. And then we went through Addis Ababa, which is the capital of Ethiopia. Sat in an air. Sat like in a shitty airport hotel there for three days until Peace Corps could like charter a plane where they brought every Peace Corps volunteer from all of Africa, more or less, like through that airport and, and through that hotel on like chartered planes that were just like filled with Peace Corps volunteers yeah, from all over. Wasn't there a lot of like animosity toward? Yeah, so, so in. In Ethiopia, when we got there, like, they were really pissed to see tourists and, like, foreigners there. Because they knew enough about the virus mm -hmm. that, like, this is the foreigner's virus. And if there's foreigners walking around here, they're giving the virus to our country. So, yeah. like, there were stories of people who had rocks thrown at them in the streets and stuff. And we were told just not to leave this hotel. Which was crazy, because we're there for three days just sitting... Um, yeah, no, the one weird thing was, like, they had a fully functioning, relatively Western, like, food buffet, and sitting and eating a meal, I just, like, immediately vomited it up, because what I'd been eating before was so, like, you know, I'd just been eating rice three times a day mm -hmm. for a good, Dang. you know, seven months, and then all of a sudden, it's like, holy shit eggs and milk yeah, and cheese milk. and I, I, yeah. I ate so much food and then just immediately vomited all up it was wild mm -hmm. so, you were yeah. speaking Malagasy in, the, in the, the town you were in you were speaking Malagasy correct yeah so Malagasy is like what they call the lang like what the language is generally and what the people are called and then the town that I was in was on the coast and there's a bunch of dialects so I was speaking Betsimisarka which is the dialect of the region I was in would that convert to Malagasy correctly? Or could you so, navigate I mean, your way? You could navigate enough, but there it was like different enough to where pronouns were different, like question words were different. Like there were a lot of obvious, strange um, differences between like the official Malagasy and our dialect, but you could probably hold a conversation. We're, 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 you want to join? We're join filming uh, or do re recording a podcast. I can like cut shit out yeah. too. So yeah, like, we can edit. Like, yeah. How long did it take you to learn how the language? Um, I basically, when I got there, made it my like absolute goal. Mm -hmm. Like Full focus? 
like hardest I've ever studied or cared about or focused on anything in my entire life. Pretty awesome. That's awesome. Because like so, I realized so what was that your, what was your strategy? Did you walk around the town and like start talking to people in different stores and like like it was it was a lot about talking people up, but like honestly, fucking rifling through the like primitive dictionary they gave us. Damn. And mm-hmm. just making flashcards. Yeah. And just nice. studying flashcards. Damn. And then, like, once I got in, like, because I realized that, like, a crucial component of me being able to communicate with people um, was yeah, going to be, be through this language, but, like, I may be able to speak, and, like, that part was coming to me, but understanding someone else was going to be the hard part, so the more I could build my vocabulary, the better. Nice. And so I just had, I mean, I still have, like, a shoebox full. What of, was the hardest part about communicating with people? I mean, the the glaringly most obvious was listening to two other people talk. Oh, damn. Because I could get my point across and I could understand someone else getting their point across. Could you, did you notice, like, when you start talking to somebody, did they slow themselves down to help you kind of thing? Or did they continue at the same pace that they normally would? Yeah, so it's like a sympathetic speaker, which only... Is that rare? On, only people who understand that you're... Like, there's so many people that you run into that, like, don't even understand that you're learning a second language. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, they can't fathom, like, that they need to slow themselves down to make it easier. I see. It's just, like... They, like, start talking to you again, they're like, why don't you understand that? Yeah, they're like, why yeah. don't you understand? Yeah. You're speaking this language, so you know this language, why don't you understand? Yeah, yeah. But, like, the... I don't know. They, they don't understand that you're learning. There's yeah. so many people who just hadn't come across, like, why would you learn a new language? That's what yeah. I told you two weeks yeah. ago, or, like, earlier when I was in Cuba. Like, we were doing homestays <coughs> the whole time instead of hotels. And the the abuelita of the family would come out, yeah. and she'd just be like firing off Cuban uh, yeah. dialect. Well, also, yeah. you got to think how like, like you know, this you isn't understand. going to Mexico. Like, this isn't the Western world you're dealing with, right? This is freaking Madagascar. They probably don't see white people even too often, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, totally. There, I mean, there's enough French influence there that like they bump into them, but. Mm-hmm. Like, the sort of secondary language is French. Mm. I don't know a word of French. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Me and Daniel I, had escargot for the first time the other night. Mm. <laughs> very weird experience. Very All right, I, have, I have a question for you guys. So, you guys were in different spots when the, since we're talking about the pandemic. Did the pandemic affect, since we're talking about board sports too, did the pandemic oh, affect... Um, Kiting or surfing in in your respective locations. I have a weird story. Yeah, did it affect anything? When we were in in full mega lockdown in Virginia Beach, in Virginia, um, the governor stated that, some people ask, um, the governor stated that (laughs) the only reason you can be outside in public was during exercise. Mm -hmm. And there was a big, because we're sort of a surf town, there was a big push for just surfing and other board sports yeah is there count a, was as, around the country yeah, right does that count as exercise and they said the governor was like sure so my mom and i went to the beach a few times this was april march or april last year mm-hmm. and we went to the beach just kiting by myself on the beach it was like 52 degrees but it was something to do and it was really cool because when i was learning kiteboarding i had never kited at home so this was my first time ever kiting at home in a pandemic in the cold in deep water so it was definitely an experience yeah yeah wow hmm. we uh similar in california as well to that. When, yeah. when everything started to shut down we were like at eckerd we were all told like we're going to be given a, 
a two-week spring break instead of a week-long spring break, and maybe we'll come back, whatever. That's all bullshit. But, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so we were like, all right, before things, like, start shutting down, we weren't sure if things were going to start shutting down or not. Daniel invited us down to his place in Key Largo. Um, and we were like, cool, we're going to go drive down there. And, uh... <laughs> So cool. Such a sick His grandparents' place in Key Largo. So we were like, cool, we'll drive down there. Did the six hour drive down there. Showed up to this gated community with surfboards stacked up on the roof. Like, yeah. I had Reef most, Yacht Club, yeah, right? I had most, I had like most of my stuff in my car because I didn't know if I was going to be allowed back on campus and like, you know, took all the essentials because that's what Eckerd told us to do. Yeah, that was a crazy couple days. Yeah, and then so we get down to Key West. We're like, you know, living a sweet life in this yeah. awesome gated community and we go kiting and we have this great time but the whole time we're driving like farther south down the keys all the traffic is going north and we're yeah like, oh fuck like this yeah. is this is getting shut down and so we kited for like a day and then stayed another night and then on the way out it was like traffic to get out of the keys because they were totally shutting down well no while we were there they stated in the keys and that included where we were staying yeah. and that any non-residents who don't permanently own a household need to evacuate the keys yeah, yeah right. that's right. why sean worried. so like i drove back up to st pete thinking like uh, it'll probably not be as serious in st pete um because it's a little like less densely populated or at least like less secluded because mm. it's not islands um we got back and all the kite spots had been shut down like all the kite spots were, and and it's funny because you say your uh, city was allowing water sports as... Did you want to go? All right, so Chase, we were just talking about how the pandemic affected kite spots in St. Pete. Yeah, so um, we got back from the Keys just having kited for like a day or two um, and just kind of started to realize that the pandemic was was serious and we were starting to starting to realize that it was like shutting down the world not just little cities little yeah. areas like the keys um <clears throat> but we were stuck in st pete because we couldn't like we didn't want to fly home because we were kind of afraid of what was going to happen and um so we were like i was couch surfing between like three or four different houses because i didn't really have a place to stay and um we still wanted to kite but they had shut down all the like all the kite spots in St. Pete, so... Like, you couldn't go on the beaches at all? We couldn't go on the beaches. Yeah, so basically, they tried to shut down the beaches completely. Mm -hmm. um, and because kiteboarding tends to bring a, a big group of people together wherever it happens, they were like, well, kite spots just, like, can't be a thing. So... Yeah. They didn't understand that when they closed the gates to where we would park for kiting, that we would just park outside the gates. Um, so instead of, like... Just driving into our regular spots, we'd park uh, in slightly different parking lots and then, like, walk around these points and walk, like, on these really nasty, like, rocky, muddy um, beaches to get to, like, a place where we could just, like, pump our kites up and water launch them, um, which is much sketchier than just launching them on the beach. Um, and we still had to, like, give lessons and, mm -hmm. like, continue to run the kite shop. Yeah. Um, so it was this, like, really weird, like, underground kite world because we technically weren't oh, yeah. allowed to do it, but the <laughs> cops weren't going to, like, the cops weren't going to come out. To, like, we walked, like, ten minutes, like, through yeah, the mangroves and shit. Yeah, they're not going to follow you. Yeah, so we, like, 
we just found all these like little special spots that you like we don't go there now because it's just a hassle to get out there but it was kind of a fun little adventure to yeah. to to go find these little spots just to launch and then you can ride in all the same spots that we ride it's yeah. crazy because that that feels like that's so true for so many different businesses yeah, yeah. or even surfing in california you know um living pretty near los angeles southern california the beach in front of my house was closed so uh, I went to my aunt's house in San Luis Obispo, Central California area, to kite up there where everything was open. So kind of just avoided. Yeah, they shut, shut everything down. down near my house too. Yeah. They weren't allowing anyone on the beaches at all just because of how crowded it would be. Where are you, you from, know, Liam? I'm from up near San Francisco, California. But to my knowledge, I think people still were able to get away with kiting because yeah. they do a lot of launching from the city. So there was it's kind of hard to stop that. There are a lot of people who are really pissed off about the city's, like, you know, ignorant, ignorant to water sports. These politicians who, like, didn't understand yeah, that, yeah. you know, I understand that there isn't a ton of social distancing when you're on the beach and you're doing that kind of stuff. But the moment you're out on the water, yeah, yeah. and it's no like, issue. you know, it's shutting down a lifestyle. There's a lot of people out there who, you know, either kite surf or surf every day and if they don't get yeah. that fixed. Yeah. They're bummed the whole day. Part of their routine. Yeah, you know, who's who's the government to take that away from them, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's how a lot of people exercise, too. Mm-hmm. So. It's really crazy. Yeah, exactly. But that's the thing. Like, there's that, if there's kind of that gray area where cities can say that people, you know, there's a very social scene around a lot of water sports, and they're like, oh, oh yeah. that's what's going to shut it down, not the fact that you're actually out on the water riding. And there was so much confusion, too. I mean, mm-hmm. so much of this was new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, it's weird kind of thinking about how, like, that was that was the whole, you realize how much power states have individually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. When you understand that, like, different states did completely different reactions. Uh, completely. Yeah, because, mm-hmm. you know, I, because people were, people were lobbying to be able to go out on the water and exercise on the beach, and there was reception to that. And I think it was really good because I mean, where was that here? When in I went, Florida? it was in Virginia Beach. Okay. Yeah, when I went out on the water, or out on the beach to go set up my kite, I mean, there were hundreds of people mm-hmm. walking, walking their dogs. Mm-hmm. Some people were paddle boarding. Like, you know, it's something to do. And I don't think yeah. a weird part about the whole virus is my neighborhood, which is typically quiet. It's you know, yeah, larger yards kind of deal, like. You saw more people walking and riding their bikes oh, and walking their dogs. Yeah. Like, yeah, me too. It almost encouraged like a new type of social interaction. Yeah, you know, everyone weird. not going to work, they get bored inside, they want to go outside, you know? Like you yeah. meet you meet people you wouldn't have met because oh, everyone yeah. is forced to do something new. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that understanding that being on the beach and doing something water-related, I think in that case, was kind of profound in a way that you could... Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was something different. It felt very refreshing. I've never seen the surf spots by my house so crowded, you know? Yeah. I, there's a bunch of point um, spots by my house. Point break, meaning the wave breaks off a point, breaking a certain way, so it attracts more surfers. So, you know, I've never seen as many people at these spots just because everyone's not working. Everyone's just bored, you know? Like yeah, sales well, of... And- Sales of bicycles. Yeah, I was going to say, to that point, working at a kite shop, it's been so much more apparent how many people are getting into these sports, or at least, like, buying into these sports, maybe not actually getting into these sports, but stock for 
any kind of apparel, any gear that you would get for kiting or surfing. Like, it's so much harder to come by this year because these businesses didn't anticipate all these people trying to get outside and do more now that they've been stuck inside during quarantine and all this Mm -hmm. stuff. So, like, it's literally, for the last, like, two months, it has been almost impossible to find wetsuits and to mm-hmm. like get the stock that we're looking for for gear like high demand it's right? been it's yeah. been a it's been a nightmare actually yeah, it's so interesting to think about yeah it's like you drove by we have a store i don't know if you guys have it where you live but it's called rei yeah yeah, yeah it's, a, it's like a outdoor yeah. apparel slash gear yep and i mean they were open and they were slammed it's like and they were selling toilet paper or some shit <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and it wasn't you know it was bicycles and freaking hiking boots like people found what they it was really weird social mm. like about society almost yeah i actually like, saw a similar thing at like a west marine when i went in like all of the kayaks were like all bought like yeah. there were none left because everybody's trying to find stuff to do something to do right it but i feel cool. like that might yeah must have been hard for all the kiters too when they have like no work or no anything else to do like what are you gonna what do they want to do yeah, what are you gonna go do kite right so everyone's out there yeah i know but it must or have been tough when people weren't allowed to in some of these states there must have been some universal realization that doing something on the water is like kind of serene in a way you mm-hmm. can be by yourself and yeah it's so cool to think about yeah and you know like a lot of water sports or i guess most water sports it's an individual activity you know so yeah. you're not playing basketball with a team you know with a bunch of people you want to do an individual activity so water sports kind of fulfills that niche of doing something by yourself yeah Raz did um or were your water sports affected in any way by the pandemic <laughs> in Madagascar? Probably I mean, quite or a different or scene. On the vineyard when you got or on the vineyard yeah, when you got home. Martha's Vineyard in Massachusetts, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the main difference was I went from being in the Indian Ocean. Yeah. On a beat up, busted ass board riding the Half bus. swallowtail. Half swallowtail. <laughs> <laughs> Accidental, wrong ASIM, no stomp pad because it had just fallen off, can't afford wax board. I went for what, that. What was the shaper of that board? Just, uh, Fuck if I know. Some guy. Some guy. Some, local. some guy. Some guy in a tree up. somewhere. It actually came from Australia. Just Yes. Some lemur somewhere. Some lemur somewhere <laughs> shaped this board. And uh, it was a hunk of junk, but board. it got the job done. Um, so I'm I'm interested in these point breaks because I've seen video of these point breaks in Madagascar and it looks like it's kind of unreal. So yeah, I mean there's there's lots a of lot lefts, right? there's a lot to be had, lots of lefts. I mean it, so where I was, there was sort of a like a a lot of everything because there was like a, an outer reef that was only a couple hundred feet offshore. Mm-hmm. You had like, and and it sort of started and stopped abruptly. So you had a beach break spot. You had like two pretty fucking serious point breaks where like mm-hmm. it goes from full on Indian Ocean to you know a couple of feet deep, mm-hmm. um, and then like at like seven kilometers up the road, so like a a good 40 minute bike ride through these like gnarly dirt roads um, with a board in one hand you got to this place um, this is on the Indian Ocean side 
we had this place where it was just this tiny fishing village, and that's the only reason why a road led to there. But it was just sort of a sort of surreal. It was a pretty surreal right-hand point break where, like, it was this heavily jungled point that stuck out and the the hard soil that sort of formed the like aggressive like underwater topography was mm-hmm. just like the roofs of these trees yeah so it went from like that's tricky it went know. from like 20 feet deep mm-hmm. to you know four or five feet deep and, and like it was really just the roots of these trees that kept like it was a roof it was like a reef break that was caused by that's like weird. roots that's crazy hmm. to think which about. was super fucking weird that is really and so like, wild. like where you where you caught the wave and where you finished it you couldn't see either side because like the wave would oh, wrap yeah, into this bay it would yeah. just bend in this that's sort of crazy crazy way that's and like though. there were trees all the way out to the tip mm-hmm. so like where you paddled for the like like the person in the front of the lineup and which was like me because mm-hmm. no one else there fucking yeah. understood that. in the summer <laughs> yeah it, it was bizarre and like it took a full it was a day trip because it was yeah. a long ass bike ride like, did you see any locals that shredded so there was like a guy there was a guy in my town who just I immediately made my goal to become a friend of and he was like a distant nephew of my host dad. Oh yeah. And so it just this it just immediately came to be that he was one of the first people that I met when I was there. He was an amazing guy. Mm-hmm. With like super young, twenty seven years old and super I don't know, just understanding on what it took to like make his town better and was also, you know, I don't know, very progressive and entrepreneurial. But also, the only person in town who served. <laughs> and Good so, friend to have, right? Yeah. Just, um, amazing. And happened to have, the way he learned to surf was some random French guy mm-hmm. who lived in his house because his house was so near the surf break. He just, the, some random French guy had stumbled upon the town and was like, wow, this place is fucking unreal for yeah, surfing. Yeah, I know. And then, like, ten years later, comes back like, once he has the money to, like, settle down and just, like, retire in this Af- African village, he comes back and he lives with this kid and his family. And that kid, you know, 10 years, 15 years later, ends up, you know, being the only person in this town and, like, scraping everything he can together to try and find gear and boards and, like... Mm-hmm. That's a lifestyle that you hear about in movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. That what you just talked about. Yeah, totally, is... totally bizarre. Um, Not a bad way of living, though. And no. <laughs> and this this guy still kept in contact and and would like, you know, send him like a, every once in a while he'd send him a liter of resin. Every once in a while he'd send him like a package of fiberglass. Huh. Every once in a while he'd send him a fucking surfboard, which That's was awesome, like dude. once every. 10 years practically. Yeah. yeah. You know, like... Yeah. That's and, weird thinking about... Another thing about Madagascar, I don't even know if you encountered this, but in St. Petersburg or even on the vineyard, which is technically an island, you know, you're dealing with, like, the continental shelf 
in the United States exists. Yeah. And it goes out for miles. Yeah. And in St. Petersburg, you can go to one of the kite spots locally, Skyway East or whatever, and you can walk in waist-deep water practically across the entire yeah. bay. Across the bay. Yeah. Right. yeah. And you get to an area like Madagascar, Hawaii, or something like that, and you go a mile offshore, and suddenly you're in 2,000 feet. Even California, man. Yeah, right. exactly. It's just remarkable Very to different. Think about. And I yeah, think it is bizarre. So, yeah, I know. And it was super weird because there it was so apparent because the reef was sort of just like the uh, the end. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, they had sort of grown right like near no. the shelf. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was very bizarre. It was bizarre. A tree reef. A root reef. Yeah, I mean, and it was so stupid lucky that I ended up there. Mm-hmm. Like, I had basically accepted the fact that I might never, like, on a bizarre vacation, I would be able to go do water sports, which is crazy because mm-hmm. that has been my entire life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I grew up on an island. You could have been in the middle of the country. Oh, I could have been in the middle yeah. of the country. And, they, and there were like more or less three, three sites out of the... Like, out of the 200 sites that they have in that country, there are three sites that are near the water. And it just so happened that we were placed in this one in this town that had a guy who surfed in it. Hmm. That's awesome. Man. And that's, so, like, in this, like, on the southern tip of Madagascar, there is, like, a big surf community, but it is, like, more French influence, and so there's no need for volunteers. I mean, there's less need for volunteers there because they have sort of, like, a, you know, a tourist infrastructure, and there's enough money there. And, mm-hmm. You know, they didn't need as much help as where we were. And so it, it just, it was an absurd stroke of like luck that, yeah, from my house I could get on my bike. You know, they gave us a bike. That was what they gave us. That was mm-hmm. the thing. You know, like to get to Wi-Fi, to get to a, an outlet, to get to an ATM, to get to a refrigerator, you had to bike 45 minutes. Peace Corps provided you with one? Yeah, so Peace Corps provided us with like this truck <laughs> mountain bike that was like the More base. expensive than most possessions. It was the yeah. base model, but when I, when I drove around town, I felt like a fucking king, dude. Yeah. All the teenage boys had like their fucking jaw dropped, like this is the sickest piece of biking technology we've yeah. ever seen. That's awesome. Um, but so that was super clutch. I could get on that and like bike 20 minutes through the jungle and, and get to this point break and um, and so yeah so once like just all of a sudden ripped from that and came home and uh, it was pretty sick because the first or second day I got home it was it was March in Massachusetts and fucking freezing and my dad said the wind was picking up and I got to go with the kite on a, in a kite session with my dad like kite surfing awesome. with my dad who taught me how to kite like, finally back to doing that, thinking that, you know, when I left, it would have been two years before I was able to do that. That must have been a ridiculous acceptance phase mm-hmm. of returning to Western yeah. life yeah. and returning home Yeah, from a place where you were set in your mind that this was my new way of life for an extended period of time. Yeah. It, it just, like, appeared back in your house. It was so fucking, like, it did not feel like home for, was, a, for a good chunk of time. Just and it's just like not yeah, the same. You go man. from something so simple to yeah. something that requires you to like 
in, insert yourself back into Western life. Oh, yeah. You're still doing the things that you love, but like, yeah, so you have to like so, kiting and surfing. So entirely the so, long story short, the month of April, like I got home, you know, whatever, whenever she hit the fan, like nineteenth of March, it was the windiest month of April that I've ever seen in my life. I rode my smallest kite, my seven meter kite. Mm-hmm. In like overhead waves and twenty five knots. That's awesome. Like three quarters of the days in April, and if that hadn't happened, I think I would have been in, I would have been having a lot harder time. Yeah. Because like, just being able to do that. Had some sanctuary to retreat to. Dude, yeah. oh my god! Yeah. Like, yeah, you're you're. It's still April. The water's fucking forty five degrees, and you're putting on your six five. Hood, boots, gloves, and freezing your ass off still, but like coming home to those conditions was a fucking lifesaver. I got yeah. home. I got home May first, and I was in pretty tough condition too, because I was like, I just got my last two months of school, my last two months ever of school ripped, like taken away from me, and I got to graduate from my living room and you know do my senior thesis. From and we're my... still doing that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and. And, uh, yeah, I got home, like, May 1st, I think. I had the best, like, two months of surf. Yeah. Consistent, like, good surf I think I've had in, like, in my life. Yeah. It was so sick. It was provided. I had some great waves over this coronation as well. (laughs) (laughs) Do you guys think that you appreciated it more? Or do you think that you were just like, wow, I guess this is what I'm doing and I have to do it? Well, it really makes you, like... You know, when society kind of, I mean, I don't want to say fails you, but, you know, you can't hang out with your friends, you can't, like, go out and about, mm-hmm. and really have surfing or kiteboarding as a retreat, and, you know, makes you really appreciate that you're able to return to something like that. At least that's how I felt. Because it is. Especially like, when you're not allowed to for yeah, a period exactly. of time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. No yeah. matter what, the world could be ending yeah. But if there are waves, if there's, there's yeah, waves, or you know, if the, be the same. <laughs> if the zombies yeah. come, I'm going, I'm going to going freaking Maui. I'm going yeah. surfing, you know, yeah. or kiteboarding or whatever, you know. <laughs> At least that's how I felt. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, if everything else fails, we'll still have sailboats. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, exactly. Exactly. it's an insane fortune to have to just be able to like. Yeah. We definitely yeah. need to recognize talking about the difference. Yeah, I mean, talking about the difference between like. Driving my pickup truck with Bluetooth audio, <laughs> ten minutes to kiteboard, and you riding a Peace Corps provided base model Trek bike down a dirt road in Madagascar <laughs> with a busted surfboard, yeah. and we're both enjoying the exact same thing. It's yeah, once, it's, once it's we get cool. to the beach, it's more right. or less it, the same. Thing. It makes you think a lot about what we're dealing with, and on the topic of coronavirus, like what do we need yeah right like to get to do and even if you're even if your favorite activity does not involve water sports like we're talking about like how many things do we need to get to the point where we're able to enjoy the things we enjoy the most Mm -hmm. like the the effort it takes to do that i think is more when you're in a situation like raz is where you're in madagascar riding a bike and me driving my truck playing Mm -hmm. my favorite music from my phone like did you? I feel like you gained a better appreciation for what it is to be able to do those things more than we did, where we're just like, yeah. hey, you want to go kite? All right, cool, get in the car. Yeah. yeah. And just like insanely 
I mean, it even it even further brought home just this idea of like how absurdly lucky I am. I mean, just mm-hmm. you know, leaving that and and being able to come and you know meeting those that community and be able to come mm-hmm. home and yeah, ride in a truck to the beach and go kiteboarding because my bed makes you think, right? Yeah, and and, and like the the people there. I mean, it's it's hard to think about, but yeah, they can't they can't change their lives the way that we change our lives. Obviously, mm-hmm. I mean, even people within our own country can't change their lives the way we change our lives. Yeah, but like there, it really feels like it's at a different level. And then, like on top of that, as you know, we begin to statistically understand this problem, like. They just don't have the option to test people or to hospitalize people. Mm-hmm. So, like, we have all of these numbers saying, like, you know, X number of people died in the U.S. today. And there, like, the number is something insignificantly low, but you just have no idea. Like, there's no way they at any point had any semblance of how many people are getting sick. It can't statistically exist. Because mm-hmm. there's no way to count. There's no, there's no way, and so no way. like, I don't know. It's just it's it's brutal to think about, like, a their culture, you know, surrounded by multi generational households. Like, every interaction with another person requires, like, at least a kiss on the cheek. Mm-hmm. Like, the only like, you're not getting groceries delicious delivered to your door. Yeah. You're fucking picking. No Grubhub. Very picking, different. You're picking out a chicken yeah. from the basket of live yeah. chickens. Like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, feel like to compare, like, I had the privilege of going on a winter term trip to Cuba for two weeks, which is like nothing. Right. You know, like the things I learned there were extremely beneficial to me, but like it's nothing compared to what you learned, but. Being there, I can't imagine. Like, I think it's a similar situation there. I mean, they're yeah. so close to the Western world, but in the same case, like, they're so yeah. far. I can everything. relate to that too, man. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. I went to Cabo to deliver a boat back to uh, Long Beach, California. So I flew into Cabo, and then I was stuck in Cabo for almost 10 days just because the weather up north was bad, and we didn't want to take this uh, Hatters 52 up north because we didn't want to get stuck somewhere up the coast but yeah well, i was trapped in cabo for a while it's just strange seeing all these it's not it's not california you know yeah totally different yeah not the united states anywhere but, in the united yeah, states the way they fun. deal with it is so different yeah like you just have to like in places like that or in places like that like you you know it's there but you just have to assume the worst. Mm-hmm. You can't. You can't just be like, "Oh, let's put you on a ventilator." Or, oh, let's test you, and let's let the national guard stick a Q-tip up your nose. Like, you yeah. just have to prepare for the worst and hope it goes well. Mm-hmm. I remember one of the weirdest things, like when when I was traveling home from Madagascar, we got to Ethiopia, and like an ambulance went by, and I just yeah. realized, like, oh yeah, shit, that's not something that existed there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, someone got sick, you found the nearest person in your village with a car. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And hoped they could make the two-day trek to... Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, there was a relatively significant city that was 
four hours away that probably had some semblance of successful medicine, but like Peace Corps gave us needles in our med kit that they mm-hmm. gave us because they couldn't be sure that if we went to a hospital, the needles there wouldn't be reused. Mm-hmm. That's Jeez. crazy, yeah. man. That is really crazy. Very different places. And Very different. it's crazy how, uh, what I think is so cool though is although there's such different places, every, everyone still enjoys water sports like all around the world, like despite different situations and your upbringing, everybody yeah. still enjoys it. It's crazy how. Always reminds me of him in the yeah. summer. I can't stop thinking about yeah, that movie. Yeah, dude, that's summer, when Raj yeah. was talking, you know. Should definitely like when they were in movie Nigeria, was it? Where the, the, all the villagers yeah, were on the beach fishing. Mm-hmm. And they had that one surfboard and they all kept like riding it around in the village. What chief. a chief. Yeah. It's a great need. scene. Like all you need is a, like a board or anything to yeah, create so enjoyment pure. from. To create a lifestyle. essentially, Right. Yeah. Yeah. Endless entertainment. Yeah, Endless Summer's awesome. We should make another Endless Summer. Endless Summer 3. Yeah. Because it's already 2. <laughs> Endless Summer 3 it features some kiteboarding. Or Endless Winter. Ed- oh, Endless, oh, Endless Winter. Winter. That's actually already a thing, but Arctic that's circle. Like, yeah. The Iceland Circle. Pretty sure that's... Yeah. yeah. That's a pretty amazing film that's out of so that. How about Endless Autumn? Yeah. Endless winter. That'd be sick. That actually be sick. The spring wind. Surfing, surfing Maine on like some really amazing swell. Yeah. So one of the coolest things to me about kiting and surfing are the communities that it comes with. So I was wondering if you guys have any thoughts on how that or did kiting and surfing help you help immerse you in the lo- or locations that you've lived in. Yes. One hundred. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. What are some examples of that? Like. First for me, because I'm, I think out of you two, I'm the newest, other than the hosts here. Yeah. I'm the newest to the sport, Your to the kiteboarding yeah. sport, of course. But like, being able, and I think I've, I've had a significant leg up on somebody who doesn't have connections like I do, to you guys. But yeah, being able yeah. to walk into a shop who sells the gear that I'm attempting to buy, and see my friends in there. And like kind Get of immersed opinions. Like yeah, and... immediately immerse myself in the sport with a feeling that I'm being taken care of rather than kind of sold something in most cases. At one of mm-hmm. our shops. Um <laughs> But it's like it's been extremely helpful and I think even even meeting some random guy on a beach, like really really helps, you know? Yeah. Like you can meet some guy like some guy there was a guy last week who came to kiteboard in a Ferrari. Really? And I was talking to the guy, and I was like, you know, is this the car that you want to take to kiteboard? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter to me. Like, just learning about, I think, being able to drive, to find out how to drive to a beach that I would not have otherwise driven to, mm-hmm. and seeing the scenery and kind of, like, understanding the natural geography of, like, St. Petersburg is something that not many other people can understand. And, like, yeah. Although, as, you know, it's congruent with other communities where there's some outliers and there's some weird people and, like, there's some people that you don't enjoy being around, but yeah. I think it's opened the door for me to meet people that I would not have otherwise met. How, yeah. And I think that happens, I, I mean, that's, that's apparent in any community, mm-hmm. you know, Anything you find, a hobby that you find that you enjoy, mm-hmm. like you're gonna meet people that you're not gonna forget. Yeah, I think it's really important, especially with our community where you know you just call a buddy and say, "Hey, man, what's the wind look like?" <laughs> and you go out and you hang out together, and maybe you meet someone new. Like, the opportunities are endless, and I think it's like what you make of it. Mm-hmm. 
And how would you guys describe the St. Petersburg kiting and or surfing community? Um, Maybe Chase. Well, there's not much of a surfing community around here. Yeah. Um, not, not there's, so you know, there's a small surf community for sure. And I would say they're way, they're on the more mellow side mm-hmm. of surf culture because that can be pretty intimidating and pretty intense. But for kiteboarding, I've just like... <clears throat> I've grown up around people on the water. Like, my whole life, I've always just been on the water sailing and, you know, wakeboarding and windsurfing and now kiting. Um, and the community around kiteboarding is set, it's so, like, open-armed. Like, everyone is willing to, the majority of people are willing to help you, are always happy to answer your questions, and it's, uh... I don't know. It's. I feel like the kiting community is a lot more welcoming than the surfing community. Yeah. I just gotta put <laughs> yeah. that out. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's automatically because better. of the physical points yeah. of kiteboarding. Like you have, like if someone wants to land their kite, no matter their skill level, yeah. someone you needs need to catch it. Up. Yeah. And then like you so catch the kite, and you're like to have friends. Right. Each, yeah. It's like thanks, man. I appreciate that. Like no problem. Yeah. Like what's your name? It's like. It's there's a lot of like it's automatically yeah, kind of surfing is also you're you're competing for waves like, yeah, that's yeah, really that's so the wind isn't a scarce resource yeah. but a breaking wave is yeah that's a good point so like there's benefits to being exclusionary if it's a scarce resource mm-hmm. exactly absolutely high demand yeah and, and we're happy demand. to yeah. see like you know not just because I work at a kite shop but like. I'm happy to see more people out kiting because it means there are more people enjoying the sport that I love. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This is the first sport I've ever been a part of where any hobby that involves physical activity, even counting snowboarding or skiing, mm-hmm. where I felt like I can go somewhere and immediately I feel welcomed. Yeah, like, well, oh, like, totally. yeah, even if you don't know the people. You right? ju- like you judge people. Like there's some people where you look at them and you're like, yeah. geez, this guy. But like yeah. there's other sports I'll catch his kite and give him a good smile and a wave. But yeah. There's other sports I've been a part of where if you're not up there and you haven't learned what to do, like you feel minuscule. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. like, you have to go through that when you're learning to kite, like you feel pretty minuscule for a moment. Like there's those things where you're like, Oh, I'm probably bothering some people who would like to be sharing the space I'm yeah. using. But you know, like But I feel like people are pretty good about it, right? Yeah, it's it's the one thing I've been a part of where I'm like strangers are willing to understand what I'm going through because mm-hmm. they went through it mm-hmm. and they're willing to like, accept yeah, exactly. it. They went the through side, it, right? Exactly. With surfing, we're saying that surfing is, because a breaking wave is a much more scarce resource, makes sense that people are going to be a little bit more intense about who's going to be out at that break and who's going to, you know, who's welcome wherever those waves are. Um, but only like recently, like I grew up surfing on our home island, Martha's Vineyard, and I never really ran into any sort of like localism issues. Oh, I can tell you some localism <laughs> stuff. Oh, yeah. 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 All right, so this a few months ago, there was a surfer named Alex Gray. I don't know if you guys surf. He has like a hundred thousand or something followers on Instagram. Like pretty popular surfer. Friends with Kelly Slater, who's like. You know, everyone just kind of surfing. <laughs> but uh, I was surfing the spot by my house. A few guys out, a few former surf team members from my high school out, just having a good time. Alex Gray was out there, and um, you know, he caught the last two set waves. Let him have it. You know, he's Alex Gray. Take the waves. You you shred. Go take the waves. Um, 
One wave came. I was in the spot. I was on the inside of him. I went. You know, I you know I kind of maybe some would call this back paddling, but I was in the spot. You know, so I kind of whipped around maybe last second. Some would say. But, <laughs> some like would it, say. Like it but you know, like all right, this is a controversial <laughs> issue. But basically, I went on this wave. Alex Gray, Alex Gray dropped in on me. I'm surfing backside. Because I'm a goofy foot, Alex Ray's uh, regular foot. Hey, you want to explain what backside is to our Backside, viewers? heel side surfing, your back is towards the wave. So, you know, I knew he dropped in on me. But I was kind of deep on the section, so I'm like, okay, I need to bottom turn as hard as possible to get around the section. And just, like, hit the lip so I can freaking actually make it around the section. And then I, I know Alex Gray is there, but I, I can't really see him. Because he's surfing front side and I'm surfing back side. So our backs are, like, towards each other. So I just crank it off the bottom and totally just run over him. My board goes over his board and, <laughs> and he falls down and I just keep going because I'm like, all right, I'm in the right. I'm just going to take this wave. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I kick out. He like, and it, you know, this is like a, a local legend, you know, like I just ran over like my, basically my childhood hero. Not, <laughs> you know, not totally, but you know, my sister has a like, a poster of him that he signed from some like school event basically and uh i ran him over i freaking destroyed him and i kick out of this wave <laughs> what do you do he paddles over to me Man, sticks his nose in his in my face the nose of his board into my face what the fuck are you doing tries like punching me and shit and like i'm like oh fuck i, I don't know what to do like this guy is like in my face like like i was in the right so i i started yelling at him too like we're just cussing at each other basically just saying absurd <laughs> things to each other and you know i bring up that my sister has this poster of him and it's signed and like all the stuff so like he understands that like he has a reputation yeah he has a reputation you no know, he, he's a pro surfer he has to you know he's surfed all around the world he should like understand people, people he doesn't want to have the reputation of being a dick, a dick. yeah exactly <laughs> well you we watched a video like two days ago in our room and you showed it to us. Oh, yeah. The guy, yeah. There's, there's spots near your house where, like, if you're not a local, you will get your car drawn on. Oh, glass. I've gotten my tra- car drawn on Like, tires slashed if you're not. Really? But, yeah, like, but so on that was, country, like, a very specific spot, Well, right? actually, only one time. Yeah, I've gotten my car drawn on. I went to this point you brought break one guy house. that wasn't Yeah, local. I brought this kid, Peter Neal. Love Peter Neal. I think you guys might have... You met Peter Neal. Yeah. Great surfer. Wait, he's from buddy. Maricosta High School. Did he visit us? He, yeah, he visited yeah, us. He's kid. a great... He's a good guy. He's a really good surfer, too. He's way better than me, too. And, um, you know, he's just, like... I I live, like, basically on the hill, which is, like, this palace... I don't know if I shouldn't even say this. I'm going to get rousted. But, uh... <laughs> it's basically this really good surf spot. He lives above the, the spot, north of the spot, and I brought him to the surf spot... Some local guys saw me walking down the trail with Peter. Usually it's, like, one of those spots where, like, you just go solo by yourself just so you're not, like, crowding the spot. And I, I got a fat dick drawn on my freaking window with a bar <laughs> wax because I brought freaking Peter Nail there. On the contrary, today, some newer guy was trying to learn back rolls, which is, like, a 360 while you're kiting. Mm-hmm. So now and on to kiting. He did it in the channel, which is right outside of Skyway East, and you're in, in a boat, boat channel. channel. Yeah. And he tried to do one, which is kind of silly to do it in a boat channel, but mm-hmm. I, yeah. I saw him do it, and he did not land it. And I was 
in the area where his if his kite fell in the water, I would be running over his lines. And he did it and just completely ate it and his kite fell right in front of my face and I had to like swerve downwind to avoid his kite. And he was like, Oh sorry man. I was like, Hey, it's alright. And he was struggling to get his kite up and I went and like picked up his board for him and threw it at him. Mm-hmm. So he could, you know, get back yeah. on his feet. So that's like it's just like a funny understanding of like the differences between the scenes because totally yeah like I've having a scarce resource you yeah, don't, that's literally that. you don't want to be that it's guy. Like, yeah, it's you, such a good point. You definitely don't want to be that guy when you're kiteboarding. Yeah, if you, you don't and as a photographer though, dude, I've run into this issue not with kiting because everyone everyone loves the camera with kiting and the Even same thing surfing, happens too. with surfing. Yeah, but you have to be really careful with surfing because like it's it's. An even more scarce resource when you're on an island. Those waves are an even more scarce resource when you're on an island because there are only so many places mm-hmm. you can go. Yeah. Uh, especially on an island like that we live on, Martha's Vineyard, because it's such a touristy place. Like the whole, you know, a lot of people know about that place, and ten times as many people live there just for the summer months as they do during the rest of the year. Um, and I have run into this issue recently, being a photographer, going out and shooting all these really amazing places that I've grown up knowing, but I haven't really known a lot of the surfers around there. I've known some, but not a lot. And just recently, I've run into an issue of like people really being pissed off about me like exposing these spots. Yeah, that's with a thing. Any land in the background, like any kind of like any landmark at mm. all that exposes mm. these spots, people will like message me about how like they'll be super pissed oh, off and like no, I feel that, people coming from the mainland and like did you get any flack for the north shore spot no because i i got a little bit of flack for the big point shoot that i did right before yeah, no, I, I remember i was there yeah so i got flack for that and then i was like okay i'm gonna be really like yeah that, diligent about it i understand yeah both sides of that. i think i think he had a point like absolutely and and i think that it's so I, I, but I've established like a good relationship no, with and those I, guys. I was, I was, I was just curious because you did a good job last time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I like made sure not to say where this place was. Made sure to kind of keep. You know, there was one house in the background, but you had to drive like, you know, you had to drive. That that shot was not, out of the way. not obvious. Yeah, exactly. So I've like started only recently having. I don't know. I've started to be more aware of what. Landmarks I'm including in these shots, and then like it just depends on the person, right? Absolutely, because there's some people who are like, Those are yeah, at the same time, like if before I joined the Facebook group, Kite Jam, Kite Jam, the local Facebook group to understand what spots to go to, like if I didn't know you guys. I would not have the first clue where to go, what to do, what the wind <laughs> direction was. So like, yeah, you look at like, yeah. you look at I kite surf and say, oh, it's west tomorrow. It's supposed to be offshore, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> either way, like, <laughs> either way, <laughs> where do we live? We live on the west coast of Florida. On the <laughs> west coast is a west wind. Is it offshore? No, it's onshore because the west. Fort DeSoto is a spit. I was confused. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> no excuse. Either way, oh I'm just saying that like, if like, <laughs> people on. people aren't scared of the camera here because like yeah. you're part of the group. You part like, but it's diff- It's it's interesting to hear about how different of a scene those two. But it's are. it's really crazy because like I've given I've given up a lot of time, surfing. 
to paddle out with my camera so I can get these photos. And I think the people who I really like respect in in those situations are the people who understand that I'm not trying to expose these spots. Yeah. I'm trying to like, Yeah, you're trying to show how beautiful they yeah, are. Yeah, right? exactly. So it's or more of an art. You know what's so really true to think about is getting better. Yeah. How the you know, the past generation, the generation before us, they didn't grow up with us cameras and stuff yeah, they, didn't, yeah, they didn't have gopros like yeah if you were local you were local and you know yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> but that's the that thing about like where i'm that. from is that it's still very much very much like that because you people can't, can't, can't don't surf they yeah go they to function they go to golf courses and yeah. take their chris crafts out but yeah. Like, nothing wrong with that. No, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Not yeah, Chris Crafts. Chris Crafts shit. Yeah, but like, I don't know. It, especially like on the vineyard, there are a lot of. All these spots are not easily found like people still want to preserve what they 10, have 10 yeah but it's like 10 20 minutes down dirt roads that you would never know to drive mm. down to get yeah. to those spots and otherwise you're walking miles down the beach from yeah. from a mainstream beach you know there are a couple couple well-known surf spots which we just kind of like let everyone go to and we're like those are okay but like we know where it's actually going off and like we try to keep it kind of hush hush but it's not yeah. like it's not like the fact that it's hard to get there is one, like, is one yeah, factor that's, of it. Yeah, that's what really makes it, you know, like, these spots that I was talking about where I got a freaking dick drawn on my car, these spots aren't, like... That's awesome that you got a dick drawn. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to start, start doing that. I wonder who did it. And I know exactly who did it. <laughs> who did it? His name's Jack Ronan. Called out, called out on podcast. He, was from, he went to Palos Verdes. Drop his Instagram. Yeah, he, went to, he went to Palos Verde surf. Running. He was on the Palos Verde surf team. Surf team. Guess enemies. But we we beat him. He oh. didn't use them. There you so, go. Fucking Doiner. Fucking loser, but Jack. He actually shreds really hard. Way harder than me, actually. That's He goes to school in Florida, The actually. difference difference between those two scenes is what, what is interesting to get at. Yeah, yeah. Saying, maybe basically. that should be a part and of your... What Raz said is like, resources like yeah resources. i think that's a really good point it, it literally oh, yeah, does it come down to scarcity of resources but but then we get to the point where you start running out of space on the beach so like skyway west yeah. for instance yeah. skyway west for those who yeah, don't know true. is true. the the smallest kite beach we have in st Pete. was that the spot we were at today yeah yeah, yeah that was, so that skyway was, east was the one we drove on yeah 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 skyway east has a ton of space most kite spots around here have a lot of space but the yeah. skyway west spot is just like a total shit show as uh -huh. far as like fitting your what a cool spot though man like it's that was amazing. my first time yeah, having there today so that was cool. that was incredible uh, skyway, skyway west, west. Yeah. yeah skyway west is pretty cool yeah, yeah just the cool. beach scene can be a little uh, a total yeah. mad people can get a little upset with it yeah, yeah i was gonna ask have you ever seen any conflicts arise yes. from that like uh, from lack of space well yes. it's, I've, it's seen, honestly... I've seen ben fly a kite into a tree People, people just get upset. Like, when was there today, right? There's, yeah. Certain, yeah. there's certain people who, like, gain, like, the older guys especially. I don't think, and this is a weird part about kiting, is, like, a lot of surfers, when they're younger, they get that ego, and they're like, don't mess with my waves or whatever. Yeah. Like, in kiting, it's, like, the older guys, where they're like, you know, if someone, the older guys understand. Understand. if someone yeah. inconveniences them on the water, they get really upset about it. I, there are people, like, there are people older guys like that, that who, uh, no. No, we don't have class tomorrow. It's Sunday. No. It's, it's Saturday. Saturday tomorrow. Saturday tomorrow. Well, I don't think we have class on the beach. 
Yeah, well, we're cutting tomorrow, bro. Well, I'm cutting yeah, we'll tomorrow. be at the beach. Dude, some we more should inter- hey, live we interview. Should, we should go. We should go to North Beach with that West Wind. I'm North down to go to North Beach. We should go to North Beach tomorrow. I'm down. I'm so down to go to North I'll Beach. I'll meet you guys at North Beach. So, after so me. I have Sawyer's truck after nine thirty. Oh, so so the van. The van. I'm down. To oh. Dude, we should go to North Beach. I'm down. I'm we'll come down. over and meet you guys there. Dude, we'll have to have a feature Dude, on with Sawyer I, I eventually in his van. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live in North Beach tomorrow. All right, thank you guys. North Beach, Sean. So seriously. Anal cunt.